Just finding this podcast, I'm Dylan Shab, and I've been interested or a bit obsessed actually with everything to do with the coming metaverse for the last decade. Today, I am joined by the artist Kirimbonia. Um, Kirimbonia is a 3D artist and uh, an advisor to a number of NFT and metaverse projects. Welcome. Thanks, Dylan. How are you doing? So, yeah, I'm really uh, good. Uh, you know, time zones are a funny thing, so I'm, I'm glad we finally got a time to do this. Um, yeah. Karim, how did you get into the space? Or, or actually, before getting into NFTs, what is your uh, corporeal track record? <laughs> As, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll probably jump around a little bit. Probably my career won't make any sense whatsoever. But um, so... Uh, yeah, let's start from the beginning, just like to give you a picture of who I am. Uh, so ever since I was like in grade two, I, for some reason, I always wanted to be a dentist. And then so I went all the way through university, got a genetics degree. Um, and then I was always kind of like dabbling with computers ever since I was like seven years old, playing on my Texas Instruments and like doing basic coding and just I don't know, just being a nerd, basically. So I uh, grew up with Atari and ColecoVision and all those computer stuff. So um, got on the internet back in 88, I think. I was on an Amiga and I was like just going to meet up with these weird people, uh, cracking software and just like I started doing 3D when I was 13. And that was 1988. So I like cracked got a crack copy from this shady dude uh, on a BBS or something that I met and uh, started playing with 3D renderings and stuff. So uh, I've just always been like this 3D mind, always looking at like new technology stuff. And uh, that kind of stuck with me like throughout, um, you know, my teens and into my 20s. And then so um, on my road to being a dentist, I wanted to like, okay, before I go into dental school, I just wanted to take a year off to do something fun, like just so I get it out of my system. And I got an, I enrolled in uh, Vancouver Film School uh, for their 3D animation program. And like two weeks in, I was like, just there's no way I'm going to open up a science book ever again. So that kind of like shifted everything over to 3D and animation so i finished uh you know vancouver film school and then i um you know was looking for jobs in animation and pixar you know um at that time it was like the the holy grail and it still is obviously but um you know jurassic park came out when i was in in uh, film school and just i don't know everything just kind of fell into place where 3d was like blowing up and when people saw jurassic park it just became this huge uh you know 3d is the future and you could get a job just by saying software name like i know maya or i know soft image or i know whatever um so yeah uh finished vancouver film school and went to siggraph got a you know the i was applying for jobs and 
you know, they have like a demo reel place where you can, you look at this job board and send out your demo reels and they accidentally sent it instead of like an animation studio, they sent it to General Motors in Detroit car company. (laughs) They saw my, they saw my animation and it was like this imaginary boxing match between like a three-legged frog and a punching bag and then I guess they loved it for so then they contacted me and they said hey um you know we're we saw your demo reel are you interested in coming flying out to Detroit for an interview I was like you know like have you seen my demo reel do you know do you know what I do so they flew me out there and it just I don't know like when I was there it was like the the amount of computer power they have in that place is absolutely amazing at that time they had like these SGI computers like in the hallways and they have like 2000 um of these like high-end computers and uh all these creative people in there I was like okay all of a sudden I like I was like this could be kind of like a cool uh thing to do like they threw a bunch of money at me um back in the day it was like you know the u.s canadian dollar exchange was like 1.6 or something like that so i was making like you know out of school that was like one of the highest paid you know they made an offer that was like one of the highest paid student you know out of school positions at the time so i asked my instructors like you know i want to go into animation but they're you know, I get a job offer from GM and they were all like, take it, take it. Don't even think about it. I was like, um, so I went to Detroit, like, and, um, didn't do a lick of animation there. They were like, we're going to do an animation studio and it's going to be awesome. I ended up just learning how to do industrial design on the job. So I was like designing cars and yeah. So five years of that, uh, so so hold on. So wait, just to so, so to be clear, you thought you were going to be a dentist. Decided science wasn't for you. Jumped. Yeah. Well, I actually straight, just went. Yeah. yeah. Jumped yeah. on the curve based- because Jurassic Park and everything was blowing up. Wanted to work for an animation studio. Ended up getting into a car company in Detroit. GM. Yes. Had yeah. supercomputers doing industrial design. Did that for five years. Made a good amount of money. Great. And then what yeah. happened? And then, so there was this, like, there was this moment uh, in car, kind of like, I would say in car history where the, the, the gas became like, the gas prices started to go up. Yeah. And so then the mentality changed from like, he's huge, you know, the Hummer, I would say like the age of the Hummer where everybody was like just huge trucks and environment was like no issue. And, you know, like just yeah, nobody cared. America, it was just, right. There yeah. Was right. Very so, sexy to, to kind of have that look of that, you know, smoking a cigarette with your window down and these massive four wheelers. Yeah. And uh, I remember like we at GM, we had this all people's meeting kind of and somebody was asking like you know you're really putting a lot of energy and focus on like big trucks and they're made they're making money on those and um you know this person asked like you know are you are you thinking about you know like the future and like environment and stuff and she was pretty much like laughed off by the executives and that for me was like ding okay i gotta get out of here i just gotta this is not this is not going to go in a good direction. So I, I, I jumped ship. I went to um, California 
uh, got a job at um, uh, Nissan mm-hmm. in the car, stayed in car uh, design, but I was in San Diego and it was beautiful weather and uh, did that for a year and a half. Uh, and then I jumped ship. So I was on contract at that point. So uh, then my, you know, I got my position, my contract got cut. And then I went to GM Advanced Studio to work over there on like more environmental, like future thinking concept cars, uh, did that. And then there was like the, the crash of like 2007, uh, 2008, where, uh, you know, I was married at the time, just bought a brand new loft in downtown LA and we had like four houses. And then like when the real estate market crashed, all the jobs were gone. So then I had to go to basically like had to go to Europe uh, to work at Volkswagen so I could pay the bills like in the States because we we were, you know, in a bad position uh, in terms of real estate. So um, went over there and I pretty much just got like stuck there, like having to keep making money because there was no jobs in the States and trying to pay the bills and stuff. So um, worked on uh, through Volkswagen, worked on Lamborghini show car for Paris Auto Show. And that for me was like the, the kind of like a, uh, the peak of what I would say my car career. Cause I was, I've always been like a Lamborghini fan. And um, after I did that contract and just- it's very, very important in the crypto space, Lamborghinis. It's, it's yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Very and I've, 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 wor- I've worked for Lamborghini. So when Lambo for me was like, what, 15 years ago now or something? Amazing. Um, yeah. So uh, not as glamorous as, as you think. <laughs> we were like- No, I, I, I actually wouldn't think working for a car company is that glamorous at all. I think it's quite a bit of work probably it's oh yeah yeah yeah. and and i was kind of like chasing like i ended up you know in automotive and some of these like these certain types of job categories i would say you're always just kind of chasing money you know you're just like you're chasing your job so you have to go where the jobs are and then you're chasing money because you're just you know everybody's like um you know you have two groups you have like the super car passionate people that love cars and yeah. I'm not like a car person on that level. So I just want to be creative. And that's why I got into there because I thought I would do more animation stuff. So um, anyways, long, long story short, they, um, after I did that, I was like, you know what? I want to get back. I want to get back to my animation roots. Cause I was like, you know, what do you, what do you do after Lamborghini? Like, is there, there's nothing else. Like what are you going to do? Build a rocket ship or something. So um at that time, I had like interviews at Tesla. Well, well, now and stuff. that kind of would be what you would do, right? You'd go and work for Elon. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> which is kind of funny because my last interview was with uh, Tesla. Right. And back then, like Tesla stock was like at $30. I had a good friend that was like one of the first two or three 3D designers over there. Yeah. And I just kind of like brushed it off. I was like, nah, it's not, it's not worth it. You know, like I don't. I need to get out of the industry, not you like going get... back and do what you actually plan to do from the start. Exactly. So I just quit that. I, I met my, uh, my uh, girlfriend in, in Berlin, basically when I was there and just kind of packed my bags in the States. Everything was gone. Anyways, lost four houses, $2 million worth of assets gone. Like just couldn't, 
couldn't make couldn't enough money. To, upkeep, yeah. Yeah. And with the house prices tanking, you, you know, every, everybody just foreclosed basically. So, um, moved to Montreal and just basically started from scratch, like just learned all the software, the new software, like ZBrush and, uh, started doing art classes and went like painting, traditional painting and sculpting and, um, yeah, yeah, I've done a bit of ZBrush. I, it's fascinating what, what yeah. these softwares can do now. I mean, and, and then when you add the element of like the engines like Unreal and stuff, it just, it's it's a whole universe. It's so Yeah, cool. it's, it's, there's, it's, it's limitless now. There's so yeah. many software. You just, you can't even keep track of all of them. And so anyways, um, I just kind of like, just tried to take, time out basically and just like start from scratch and you know get back to the basics like traditional art classical art sculpting whatever and just learned relearned all of the things I learned in um, film school um, I started working with artists um, on public sculpture projects in Quebec and kind of like that that was like the beginning of of my new career like I was kind of like a 3D technician. I could I could sculpt, I could do art. So I was kind of like their link to taking their ideas and doing public sculpture projects with it. So I was like the technical side and the artistic side. And, you know, um, the, they're basically competing for these contracts and there was nobody else doing what I do. So I was like, I had a 3D printer back then, like in 2009, and I was printing, wow. 3D printing their... Uh, um, you know, their sculptures to put in maquettes and nobody else was doing that. So we were winning like all of the contracts were just, it was just like, win, win, win. All the artists that were working with me, we were doing really well at the time. So I just kind of like started with that. Um, but you've now that. got, so basically at this point, you're in Montreal with an independent studio, basically. Exactly. Yeah. So I was just running my business, doing my thing, working with artists. Um, and because uh, there's a law in Quebec that's like, Every publicly funded like architectural project, like schools, train stations, metro, right, um, as an arcs, art quota. Yeah, they they have to put one percent of the budget towards a, an arts like integration or public sculpture. So some of these projects, like you rebuild a hospital for like twenty million or twenty forty million. And the budget is huge to do these like huge sculptures and yeah um, yeah we have it in Israel too Tel Aviv yeah. has some of the most beautiful lobbies in these big yeah. buildings uh, because you have these this law in place and um, and it's and it becomes trendy to try and find new artists right like it's trendy yeah. to try and get new artists you know not just have the same repeat because then these lobbies start to compete with each other like oh wow that hospital also has beautiful glass right like you're right. It's this weird yeah. flex that tends to happen. Yeah, but it's great. Exactly. It, it, it evolves the whole art scene. Well, yeah, because and it's really cool. Like just you see all these, you know, new buildings and stuff and parks, and they're always like a sculpture in, inside there. So there's always like an art element in the city. And you know, over time it just yeah, you know, everywhere you go, there's like cool arts and and artists now have like a lot of the artists I know. You know, of course, a lot of them have galleries and they try to sell their art and they sell like one or two pieces. And, you know, like they're you, you kind of like scrape by. Now you have artists who can do this, but on the side, they can compete for these projects that 
basically the budgets go anywhere from like 50,000 all the way up to like million, like a million or, you know, right. it's and you have this huge budget, one gig you can really like, salary. Yeah. right. So now you have these like artists, like um, coming from all different backgrounds, doing these like bronze sculptures, like huge. Um, so they can really like, you have the budget to express yourself and, Amazing. and um, yeah, very, very cool. Um, so I kind of like did that for five years full time. And, okay. uh, I was just getting like bombarded, like too many contracts. <laughs> Everybody was like, wanted to work with me. So wh why and, didn't you expand your studio? Why, you know, why didn't you flesh it out more? I, I tried kind of searching for people. Um, but I don't know, like at, at that time, it wasn't like zoom meetings and this and that like we don't we don't communicate the same way so trying to find these people like that i can that can sit next to me or help me out it was just impossible like right and there was a language barrier for me because you know not only am i in quebec but you know we have like the french english so i was like on a mission to just like relearn french like what i had from back in elementary school like learn new new language um keep up with all the artists that i had to work with um like trying to look for, for somebody that could do what i do it, it didn't really exist like there's a lot of um there's a big games company um uh you know lots of game games companies in montreal but they're not technical so they don't know the industrial design part sure. you know um so that that's where it kind of it's it's kind of like yeah you can sculpt stuff in a game but can you do a technical, you know, can you do a technical drawing and give it to an, an architect or an engineer right. to, to, to figure out what the weight of that bronze is going to be to, to then like work with the artist to figure out like, you know, it's a very like specific thing. So I kind of fit into that really nicely and uh, did really well, like doing that. Okay. So, um, so five years go by and then uh... five years go by. And then, um, you know, I was, I kind of was, you know, I was charging like, I think just charging artist rates, let's say, uh, at right. that time. Um, and I wanted to kind of um, just uh, really get back to like, again, like uh, instead of like working for artists, kind of like do something more creative on like maybe work in something a little bit more stable because it was like very like, you know, you're, you're doing lots of projects, but they were like all over the place. And there's like seven of them going on at the same time. So it was kind of like a mini burnout of that stuff. And um, just by chance, I ended up running into somebody who I had met in Berlin. Uh, we were just kind of like at a party, like talking. And he was like, hey, what are you doing here? And we were just kind of chatting. And, and I said, well, I'm a 3D artist. I'm doing this and that. And he just kind of like, you know, went bing. And he said like, oh, I work for, I have, he had his own company, um, kind of like uh, they were doing um, the visuals for like big shows, basically. So the Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, uh, Super Bowl, uh, you know, wow. um, so I was like, cool. So I just, I just like went in, he's like, come in, come and meet my, my partners. And so I went in, did an interview and they, they kind of like offered me a job doing uh you know 3d content for these big name shows so i just kind of like got into entertainment and then just kind of like slowed down working with the artists um 
and did that. So I just kind of like switched again into like going into entertainment, doing live visuals and stuff like that. So that was super cool. Like just um, kind of like another, you know, super creative, uh, super intense. So at this point, you've now done cars. You've now been an independent contractor for artists doing these grants. Yeah. Uh, and now you're working in a production entertainment studio, entertainment exactly. studio. Uh, yeah. Did you ever get to look at any teeth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it's crazy, man. This like, I feel like I go in five year cycles every five years. I just like, I don't know. I'm a- but that's the norm now, actually. I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, I keep saying this to people, my generation are not growing up with, I have one job for life and no one even has one spouse for life these days. So it's like, you yeah. know, 15 years is a cycle or five years or mm-hmm. 10 years. And then, you know, we go from there. Okay. So now you're right. in entertainment. You're doing. So now I'm in entertainment. So 3D um, components for their production. Okay. Got exactly. It. So, so I'm, I'm, I basically uh, was doing 3D content. So anything 3D that the artist wanted, like Britney Spears or Cher wants like this golden arch and she wants to go through this tunnel and then it opens Amazing. up into okay. whatever. Um, so I was doing visuals um, for that, anything 3D related. So um, uh, jumped around like a, f- a few companies because one got bought out. We went to another company that was Cirque du Soleil. Uh, you know, so I was working on like, Cirque du Soleil visuals and um, stuff like that. Oh, wow, so circus and, animations for like for introduction videos for their for their yeah. uh, events, like yeah. Adverts? Well, just actually, it was it was uh, well, it was more. It's like any any visuals that go along with um, like the shows. So oh, when wow, you go okay. to Las Vegas and you go to like one of the Cirque du Soleil shows over there, they have like the artists doing their stuff, and then in the background they have like you know projection or. Um, some elements are mapped on the stage so it's like it's like projection mapping plus video content in the back background that goes along with what the artists are doing so um, all in this kind of uh, kind of falls into this framework of 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 what we do Um, I was working like crazy like and the hours were just like nonstop. so we had like uh you know slacks and stuff and it was rolling 24 hours a day because if we were working on a show that was being put together in china you're on china time at the same time there's a production going on in la so you're on la time at the same time you're in like montreal time so i was just like working work you know it's just like insane hours and last minute like some artists change their changes their mind they don't like this color and they have to redo everything and like no time so um i had like one burnout followed by another burnout (laughs) followed by like it it was kind of like insane so at the end of that um the kind of like the the second burnout i was like you know what i need to just like um i don't know I, i ended up buying a house in the country and just like got away from the city and Moved. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's the sign. That's the sign. Yeah, like it was kind of like a, a sign that that I had to like do something different. So it was like um, you know, like the anxiety that goes along with doing a burnout is pretty intense. So, you know, meditation, go running, doing all these things and Yeah, you know, for for me, for me that barrier point is when I call my masseuse and I say I need one every day for the next 5 days. She says, "Oh, exactly. what's wrong, darling?" Darling, yeah, what's right. wrong, darling? <laughs> right. 
So, um, yeah. And so basically moved into the countryside, like set up my studio here. I got my like gigabit internet connection out in the woods. We got like access to a river. So it, it was like, I was like, cool. I'm just like, not gonna work inside of an office. And this was like one year before like COVID hit. So it basically, I made the move. Are we, when are we now in 2018 about? Hey, 2018. Yeah. Wonderful. So okay. like, and kind of like end of the summer, 2018. And then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to like figure out a way to just stay at home, be in nature, not have to be in the city, not have to deal with like going to an office and just like go full, like just freelance. I pick and choose the projects that I want and kind of like reset the way I work. And right. that ended up working out really well. Like I started getting like people contacting me with like these really cool projects and started doing that. And then COVID hit and I was like, cool. <laughs> like, thank God we're out in the countryside because in the city, like, especially in Montreal, everybody was stuck in their houses, you know, like yeah. they couldn't go out. There was like curfews and all of everything was just crazy. And out here, I was just like, cool. I could just like, Keep, yeah, I mean, I always felt a bit guilty. You know, I kept saying, like, calling my friends to check up on them because I'm like, I'm a loner. I, I like being by myself and doing my own thing. But my yeah. poor socialite friends, they must all be climbing the wall. And I was doing these, like, hello, this is an intervention. Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it was kind of funny, like, that that judgment call. Of, and, and I always thought, like, what is the point of an office? What is why do we have these gigantic bank buildings where people are just doing admin, you know, like, yeah. and I have friends that work in government that started working from home. And I'm like, so that just goes to show like, you can have a computer that's secure. That's only tied into your work. You know, it's locked down. You can't install anything. So there's no real reason to be in an office with a bunch of people like just spreading COVID to each other or whatever the situation is, you know, it's just not necessary. And I, I all think, the companies I think it all, all got born from this kind of corporate model of monitoring everyone. Right. You know, yeah. like when we look at the history of schooling and things like that, you know, you check that it all comes from Bismarck, you know, yeah. it was trying to make sure that we had little good soldiers going through the system. And, yeah. you know, I, I often noticed that when I went into these kind of government buildings, especially, you know, in Israel, we've got kind of this like Soviet heritage, I mean, mm -hmm. it's like ant colonies of people being checked out like, oh, my supervisor is going to see I was, you know, five minutes late or something like that. And it's like, this, this can't continue, man. We have to start working quotas, right? You know, like yeah. Canada's doing this a lot more. Even when I was back in Toronto, I mm -hmm. knew a couple of architects and they were all working from home and they just did quotas, right? Who cares right. how many hours you clock in? It's project-based. Right, exactly. So, um the company I used to work for, they were just, you know, um, it was just open. You can come into work, like, you know, within reason, right? You can, you can stroll into work late if you want. If that day you had to work from home, you, you're cool to work from home. And these are the kinds of companies and the restaurants and any business that were able to survive. Everybody else just like, they weren't set up for it. It was just like, yeah, bam, this pandemic hits. And how do you adjust from like, you know, your boss, like hawk eyes, like kind of watching everything you're doing. Uh, it, it just didn't work because you can't watch. <laughs> I mean, like once people work from home, you lose that. So then it just became like, uh, um, 
I don't know how to describe it. It was just like, you could see like the ones that were flexible survived no matter what, because people were already set up at home to do the work. Right. You know, and, and you on, know, people like us who've worked from home, there is yeah. a learning curve to working from home, right? You've got of to course, take yeah. office space. You've got to create some kind of structure and schedule. And these yeah. people were thrown into the deep end. They had the anxiety of a crisis going on. They often yeah. had their kids running around who needed supervision. And yeah. then they were supposed to get a certain amount of quota or projects in. And so I, yeah. I have a lot of compassion for, for a lot of them. But, you know, bless us for not having that. We've, we had had that learning curve already. Right. And uh, I, I had a great COVID, man. I, yeah. I, I, can't I mean, for, for to me too, about. like, yeah, yeah like I, I really felt like um, I, I kind of, um, it, it just kind of like re kind of like confirmed, you know, like that, that instinct that some of these old ways of doing stuff, like eventually they're just going to have to change, you know, like they're, you, you, I just, I, I don't see like in 50 years that, that being in an office is going to be still the norm. It's going to be something completely different and um, which kind of like ties in really well to like where I, where we think things are going and why we're here, like metaverse and stuff. I know it's like, you know, it's kind of like a cheesy thing to think about, but. Um, so let's you know, go there before, before we explore that too much, yeah. I'm, I'm just mm -hmm. going to share screen. I want to, I want to talk a bit about your art. I will, I will put the link afterwards guys for the Instagram, but I really yeah. just want to talk about your art, man. Ah, um, this okay. is so my actually, favorite. This is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll explain a little bit about how this started, which is kind of like my, my, uh, why I got into NFTs and okay. So I was, when I was one of like, before I did my first burnout, um, I was working next to this, you know, this, this young kid, basically, uh, I'm saying kid, but you know, uh, it's with like, just love, um, this 3d artist that, um, you know, my bosses hired kind of like brought him in on contract and he was just doing like, they saw his Instagram and liked what he was doing. And that artist, uh, is a uh, fuck render. And so he, he's like, now he's like one of the, the, the most kind of like, when you say NFT artists, it's like, for me, it's like people, um, and him, like he's, he's done so much for the space and supporting other again? artists. What's that? Who, who are we talking about? Fuck render. Fuck render. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah, cool. I mean, he's like, he does the fuck, fuck crystals and, um, he's, he was kind of at that time. So we were working together and I was kind of like the lead in the studio. And he was, you know, he was like, oh, he's, you know, people were saying like, oh, he's, he's got like an Instagram. He's got like 15,000 followers and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I was like, okay, cool, whatever. So he was working on stuff and I was like, kind of like the lead. And I was kind of like watching what he was doing and um, supporting him, like with whatever the, uh, our bosses wanted him to do. Um, but it was funny because like he was doing his, a render a day. He was like doing his daily renders at that time. So like, you know, four o'clock would hit or five o'clock would hit and he would just be out the door. Like, it's like he would just like leave and there would be all these like things that the he was asked to do and some of them were done and some of them were done wrong and they wouldn't, you know, so it would just like, 
he would leave and then everybody would be like what is this he's not done yet i was like i don't know i thought you guys told him what to do so it was just like this crazy thing where you know he was so like talented and but so like uh on a mission at that time that you know i was just like man this really sucks because it's all falling on me i have to correct his stuff at the end of the so day he, so i was he in was the office going home to do his to do gig. his daily renders on his own you know he's uh -huh. he's on his own schedule he was just like you know he can't yeah. not do his daily renders right yeah, and, and i know and it, it's yeah. a streak like imagine people he missed a day his streak would be lost like oh i had a something like no matter what, yeah, no matter yeah. how busy we were, no matter who the artist was, no matter what had to be delivered. Um, yeah, no, I, did to, I, I I knew a couple of Second Life artists like that. And I said, I just, I don't understand how you are pumping out this amount of stuff, you know, because there were these yeah. like events once a month and stuff. And she's like, oh, I, I do my four and a half hours every day, no matter what. It doesn't matter if right. If there's a bomb going on off outside from this you point to. to this point, I do the gig and then I can talk to clients, do other things. And it's, yeah, it's a discipline, man. It's, yeah, it's a dedication. Yeah. And like my, my hat's off to him. Like, honestly, if I wish I would have like, you know, you're the lead of a studio and then this like, you know, this, this, this young 3D artist comes in. And I never thought that like, you know, I would learn more from him, you know, than maybe the yeah. other way around, even though I was like supporting him. And like, I, I really like, you know, tried to help him as much as I can and, and like try to work with like the bosses on my neck and, you know, like try, just try to keep it as cool as possible. Um, so anyways, like him coming in was like the beginning of like, I was just burning out. I had so many projects to do plus manage whoever the bosses were kind of bringing in at that time and um like it was it was it was like that moment right there where my my burnout kind of happened it was like the beginning of the end of of that kind of uh phase um he he's the one that got me into instagram so i started that instagram kind of like as a as kind of like almost like um I had to do something for fun. Like I'm a 3D artist. So it's like, that's my creative way of expressing myself. But it was my my escape kind of uh, from what I had to do for work. So I was doing 3D, da, 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 and I would like work on more 3D to like as an escape from the other thing that I was doing. Yeah, and it's, it's, um, it's a very interesting collection. I mean, I, I guess we're going to call it eccentric. Um, yeah, you know, you yeah. are the model featured in your art, yeah. and it's very out there, man. It's um, yeah. I, I guess it was your way of laughing at how serious you were being in your day to day. Yeah, and yeah. So the basically the how the Karimbonia started, and the reason why it's called Karimbonia is because it's it's ever since I was like young, I always wanted like my goal in life is to own an island i just i'm gonna buy an island a private island or whatever somewhere and then that's my goal and i always had this dream of like you know i'm gonna buy an island but then i want to declare it my own country so i had started doing research into like how do you declare a country and how does it work and oh man we're stuff. gonna go down the libertarian rabbit hole yeah buddy yeah so stuff. so basically like and karimbonia was kind of like my way of like okay so I create this imaginary island. What if 
like my way of expressing myself, I used to, you know, I'll kind of jump back a little bit. I used to do stand-up comedy as well, right? For a little bit when I was living in LA. Um, so I always had this, like, when I do 3D art, it's got to be funny, right? It's got to be like, have a sense of humor. In it. And my sense of humor is really like, uh, oh, it's, 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 it's kind great, of, it's man. kind it's of out dark there. So, and silly and goofy. Yeah. And so each, each one of those scenes that I've created is like another, you know, either like a joke I've said or a funny moment that I've experienced or just like, you know, like imagine you walk into a, a place like you, when you walk to Disneyland, there's all these like characters and stuff. Well, what if, what if all of the people were me, me dressed up as like, I, you know, I got, I got married in drag. You know, I got, um, I was always like dressing up, always like wigs. Halloween is like my favorite holiday. So uh, doing stand-up comedy, all of these things kind of like culminated. And I was like, you know, this is like a way for me to just take my 3D art, take my creativity, take my, this island idea where uh, everybody on the island is me, right? So I could just express myself. So I started scanning myself, 3D scanning myself, um, linked up with another um luckily there's a studio here uh, in montreal that does photogrammetry scans so they have 175 cameras in this wow. like this thing and you get in the middle of it and all the cameras you know they, they take a picture of you and then you re you basically calculate you basically create a scan of yourself a 3d right. model based on those photos so i started dressing up and like taking all the costumes that i've accumulated over years went into the studio, got scanned, and then I could put myself into any 3D scene I wanted. So like all 3D, all imaginary, and it plays in with like, if I want to be a, a, a female or a woman one day, or if I want to have this, like, I have this like imagination of like, uh, what does the island look like? Um, here's me like dancing, doing a weird dance in a mankini or whatever, like, this, you know, whatever I, however I wanted to express myself, I had this like portal and it was just image-based. So I don't have to say anything. It's just like the image is there, you get it or you don't. It was just for me. And, like and to, you know, I, I think yeah. we're obliged to start talking about uh, crypto and NFTs and stuff. But I mean, this is yeah. a good segue because the internet culture is very much like this, right? It's very goofy and yep. memey and uh, profile pic-based and silly. And so it's a perfect um, avenue uh, to take take this into another realm. Uh, so course. how did you start getting into NFTs? And um, we'll, we'll talk about some specifics soon, but how did, what was your first kind of red pull moment? How did you get there? So kind of like at the end of, uh, let's say like mid, mid 2020, I was kind of like, I know there was like the, the big crypto crash in like 2017. I, I kind of like, um, I was, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Kind of got into it, bought some stuff. It just totally just got wrecked. And I didn't, I just kind of like held on to like a little bit of Cardano and a little bit of this and that from like 2017. Didn't really pay attention. I was like, that was like a total bust. I just, whatever I invested, totally lost it. And then kind of like things started coming up. And then like, you know, there was this word kind of like coming out with like NFTs and fuck render was kind of like getting into this. So all of a sudden I would see like, oh, fuck render. He's like, did an NFT, like what is an NFT? And it's just kind of like started following what he was doing. And he was talking about like, he went from being an Instagram artist and then he just kind of like 
started switching over to like Twitter. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, what's Twitter? Like, I have a Twitter account, but I never use it. It doesn't make any sense. And he just seeing him like post a few things about it, like Twitter is where it's at. That's where the conversation is happening. I was like, you know what? This time I'm going to follow what he's doing. And I, and, I, and I went into my Twitter and I was like, I'm just going to follow like NFT and just see what the space is all about. Cause I, I didn't, I wasn't getting it. Like, why would anybody do this? What is Twitter? It seemed to me like it was just politics. So got into Twitter and then just followed, just only followed NFT. Like anybody NFT just started following them. And I, and at the time I was still doing like contracts and stuff. And I was like, shit, he, he, he basically like started launching his own NFT projects. And I was like, what he just made like how much like <laughs> it was just kind of <laughs> like this like and then i saw like other 3d artists that i was like watching on instagram following an instagram they were all, all of a sudden they were like on twitter and they were saying like oh mint uh, like i'm dropping in an hour and they would be like oh the highest bid is like 20 eth awesome and they were tagging i was like hold on a sec 20 eth is like 100 grand i was like the hell's like what's what's going on here like something's going on yeah something happened was overnight, like okay literally it was like yeah all it woke really up happened what? fast and and just like you know just watching him like he would go out and like buy a crypto punk for like 16 grand and then next thing you know it was like 40 grand next thing you know it was like 80 grand i was like what like this is just insane so i was like all of a sudden i kind of caught this bug like okay, I, I need to stop like doing all these like contracts and, and get into NFTs just to like be in the space. Um, at that time, the, the MeBits came out. So I was like, so I'm let's, following let's everything. Let's backtrack a bit for people who yeah. may not know. Yeah. Um, so Lava Labs are the creators of CryptoPunks. CryptoPunks, uh, yeah. Right. And then they made a second collection called MeBits, which yeah. are voxel avatars that are meant to be usable in places like the sandbox is that correct yeah, exactly okay. so this was the first i would say um 3d avatar pfp like project basically so uh you know they're they're metaverse ready supposed to be metaverse ready um the minute i saw that i was like you know by that time like that little bit of cardano and like random stuff i had from like the train wreck of 2018 had accumulated some value. So I, I just like took some fiat, converted it, took what I had, like just wiped everything out I had and put it into minting a MeBit. And it was like two and a half ETH at that time. So I, I put like a bunch of money into this and I was like, okay, I have one MeBit in my wallet. I have no ETH and I'm just Whatever I do, I'm just going to start it from here. I'm not going to put any more money in. I'm not going to get wrecked again. But this will be kind of like the beginning of my, my NFT career, okay? Right. Um, I would say I didn't want to be an artist. I didn't want, like, I could have taken Karimbonia and made, like, minted them and done something like that. But I was like, you know what? I want to get deep into it. So I started just animating, like, taking the me bits that weren't, rigged or anything and i started like playing with the 3d models and and doing free animations for the community and just like kind of built up from there people were like hey can you do this can you do that um mebits dow um reached let's out let's talk to about me. mebits dow actually because that's yeah. one of the most fascinating projects to me 
Because yeah. this is a almost a fan community project, right? These are holders of MeBits yes. who decided to organize into their own structure and then invited yes. Lava Labs to, to be an advisor. Is that correct? Yeah. Kind of like in a stretch timeline, but yes, they were there to, to basically in, in the web web three uh, mentality, like take control of the, um, the NFTs that you own basically. So instead of like the ideas, instead of waiting for Larva Labs to decide what to do with the NFTs, these uh, MeBit characters, they would kind of take control and they could take the 3D models and rig them and do other projects, like do a project. Uh, it's kind of like a development fund to do, right? to kind of like, not necessarily to, to counteract what Larva Labs is doing, but to just like open up other avenues. So if they work on something and it's successful, maybe Larva Labs will, you know, um, join and collaborate join or on, or, or yeah so it, it's kind of like yeah it's like kind of like dictating your own destiny kind of right. so uh that and that that's like the mission statement of the dao so i was like super into it they they the mebits dao kind of brought me on like hey can you help us work on these um and and, uh, and, and just a just yeah. a question on the structure if i remember correctly to be part of the mebits dao there's a buy-in is that correct uh, at that time, it was like invites. I mean, you could be invited into that Discord. There was no, right? You know, everybody could join. But then it became gated. Like they decided that, like you know, uh, the governance would be like, okay, you have founders, right? And to be a founder, you had to pay one Ethereum to become a founder. There was two hundred of them. And, and those, that, that Ethereum goes to the community pool to fund these projects. Yeah, that goes into a treasury. So basically right. the idea is like you have founders that are involved that believe in this mission. Um, you mint your founders token for one Ethereum. All of that goes into the treasury. Um, and then, then you have general memberships. So like anybody who wanted to join the Discord would pay 0 0.05 Ethereum to be... Uh, a general member, all the general members could then delegate their votes to one of the founders. So um, if, if a founder is active in the community or wants to do, um, you know, it's very metaverse centric or 3D centric or promo centric, like you can, you could delegate your vote to them or yourself. And this would be a way of like proposals coming in from the community uh, for projects to be developed it goes up for vote. The founders vote on them. And if they're accepted, then they get funded. So um, anybody could propose a project. It could come from anywhere. Um, and we would kind of use that, the Mebits DAO, as a hub for uh, Larva Labs could join, you know, other artists or other people right. working in Metagram. You know, so it's just a way to, like, accelerate how... how um, how fast things can happen. Larva Labs now, is, is- Now, can people yeah. still join that Discord or is it a closed Discord? Of course, yeah. It's, it's still open for general members. The founders tokens are almost all distributed. I think there's um, maybe like 20 that haven't been sent out. They're kind of kept for a community. I guess if, if new members come in and they're really implicated in the DAO, uh -huh. they would be given the opportunity to either purchase or are given founders tokens now um, um is do you have a 
direct connection to things like the sandbox? I mean, are you, as Mebits DAO, are you in connection with Decentraland's team, Sandbox's team? Do you have that? Because I've, I've heard that there's a fair amount of confusion around what's going on with these projects. And, you know, everyone's like, well, let's get Metaverse ready. You get your voxel set sorted and it's like, okay, now how do we get it into the sandbox? Yeah, so this this is kind of like, I would say the biggest roadblock of any project, any any project in the NFT space, unless they've already had kind of like, I would say a direct line of communication with Sandbox or possibly Decentraland or any other platform, um, NFT worlds and stuff. Cer certain ones are a little bit easier to, to kind of right. For those get not your familiar, assets in there. NFT worlds is built on the Minecraft. Minecraft, engine. yes. Right. Yeah, so um, something like Sandbox, like for to be integrated, to have like Sandbox integration, you really need to, number one, um, create your assets in such a way like I would imagine there would have to be some sort of collaboration with Sandbox to be able to get a collection like the Kongs VX into Sandbox because um, there's no like you know do this 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 and you'll be integrated right yeah it, it I mean, doesn't we, exist I, I, it's coming i think we all know it's, it's coming. coming yeah but it's, it's coming very but slow on the on the situation yeah and um i i know some projects that are have already have that direct line of communication and what they've been doing is uh basically <laughs> grabbing sandbox developers to come work with them and then that kind of helps with the integration part of it. Hey, but there's it's not no a bad like, idea. huh? It's not, bad, it's not a bad idea. Of course, it's it's right now. It's it seems like it's the only way that I know of. Unless like, first, if I'm a sandbox um, creator, like a voxel artist or something like that, it is possible for me to apply to get a creators fund. So if I'm in the sandbox creators fund. Um, I would be able to rig my avatar, like if I had a MeBit or something, um, rig it, get it into the avatar, and then in, and then put that into the marketplace for people to purchase. Right, but they they are going to have to have registered collections, or they're going to run into secondary problems with these copyrights. You know, the core IP ownership of these collections. Exactly. So exactly, it's it's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword right now. Yeah, exactly. So something like Sandbox. So I'm, I'll just like kind of mention a few. So we have Sandbox where you have like kind of a gated, it's a little bit gated because you have to be approved to be able to put stuff on the marketplace to sell, right? As a creator's fund. But if you wanted to do a collection, you really need to be in kind of like in their in a circle. Yeah. In a circle, I would, I would say to make sure that, you know, if you, if you have a collection of like, uh, 5,200, 10,000. In the Mebits case, you have a collection of 20,000 different Mebits that would, if somebody wanted to collect their wallet and use their own Mebits as a sandbox avatar, there's like a lot of work going on in there to like wallet connect, 
convert MeBits in a sense to make them sandbox compatible because they're not sandbox compatible. Oh, really? And they're not, and they're not metaverse ready in the sense that sandbox is part of metaverse and so is decentraland and so is nft worlds it's all metaverse right, all they're of each it. a different Facebook. metaverse platform yeah exactly. but to say that you're metaverse ready is like saying you know just because i know how to run that i know how to do anything in the olympics that involves running like it doesn't work like that it's not right. metaverse ready is like multiple different file formats with multiple different partnerships and yeah, well, that's, collaborations. That's why I think it's good to talk, for example, about Sandbox because it's a yeah. metaverse. And um, I know yeah. that, for example, Kongs and Subducks have both created, you know, voxel collections that are Sandbox ready without the animation aspect. They're relying on Sandbox to give the animations, I presume. And I know that Crypto Champions did the same. They're about mm -hmm. to drop in March a voxel yep. collection that, again, exactly. is built to the specifications of Sandbox, mm -hmm. and yet none of them have been approved for Sandbox collections officially. Yeah, and, and even Decentraland. Like, to say you're metaverse ready means you, you know, we're talking about uh, interoperability. Right. right. So we're you've got your wallet metaverse... with your assets that you yeah. want to then connect into one of these platforms. And mm -hmm. from the and the moment you connect it, you can then manifest yourself as that asset and go about your business, right? That's what we, of course. I guess we mean by metaverse ready. And you're yeah. saying none of these platforms are like that yet. No, because just because you're sandbox integrated and you say you're metaverse ready, it doesn't mean you're decentraland no, no, really? I think it's okay that we can talk yeah, about each right. of them as a walled garden. That's okay. But I'm saying, of course. has Decentraland already allowed for a certain amount of integration? They have, haven't they? Yes, they have. But they do it in a different way, completely different. Like they'll do it through wearables, right? So okay. you have their avatars and they're kind of like, you know, how, how the characters, I mean, they're doing it for optimization as well. Right. right. So if everybody just jumped in with all of their characters and there's like, we you know we're talking about 3d. So polygon well, counts, crash. And, you know, they, they have, you know, you can't just like walk into Decentraland and be like a big ogre because th like the interaction wouldn't work. Like your hands right. would be huge compared to everybody else. And they wouldn't, you know, like you would crash and it would have glitches. And okay, so let's um, let's walk through that process. So you want to yeah. come in now as your Mickey Mouse avatar into yes. the Decentraland. Is it now reading your wallet and then optimizing it for the engine that's being used in Decentraland? How's that working? Not at all. So you would basically you you take these um these uh you know humanoid avatars basically. Okay. And you would replace the geometry with wearables. So imagine your head is a wearable. It's a mask that you take off and you replace it with another right. head that fits into this template, right? And then your clothes, you know, you have a 3D model of like just wearing basic clothes and you, they have their own avatar system that you can, you can create your own avatar that is made within Decentraland for Decentraland. But to do anything else, like a me bit, you would have to, you know, separate the head from the 3D model. And then that's a wearable. And then maybe the body is a wearable. So each article of clothing and the shoes are a wearable. And then those would kind of fit on, uh, replace, I would say, the geometry in that. So 
to get to that point, you basically have to create, take, take your template, take your MeBit, your 3D avatar and, and convert it to make it decentral and compatible. And then you have to get it approved. You know, you have to submit it as like uh, as a collection be, so that people can't misuse it right exactly right because you can't have like if somebody comes up with like hey i want to be a coca-cola avatar like you can't just use it because you don't have the right so it has to go through this committee that approves you know does this conform to what is uh right. gonna work in decentraland and then you get approved and then you can mint it and then you can sell that asset to other um people Basically, yeah, which which is which it. is of course very different than play to earn games like Miranda's, for example, because yes. there you are just customizing the avatars and the vox that they are giving you, right? So, in other words, you may buy an elf, and then mm -hmm. there may be a September or Christmas drop of a rare beard or hat, and then you're customizing your elf with game-ready components. Exactly. Whereas you cannot, whereas the potential beauty of something like Decentraland and Sandbox is a much greater artistic expression, but with that artistic expression comes these technical hurdles and copyright hurdles. Of course. Yeah. So like, we, we, you know, when we talk about NFTs and crypto space, you know, now we're kind of seeing this shift between like, you know, web two, the kind of like the old internet way of doing things and you know corporations and stuff and then we're looking at like web three where it's you know we want to be like open like the ownership of your own assets and being able to do whatever you want with it but you know like um yeah the roadblock is kind of figuring kind of keep that balance of like you can't if you just open up the floodgates everybody's just gonna take copyrighted stuff and um, you know, maybe flip, you know, like what's happening with like the punks, you just flip the punk and you create a new collection and, you know, and you get um, sued and you get, sued. yeah, you get sued or it becomes like another movement based on that. But, you know, if, if you want to bring in the web two clients to like banks or galleries or Sotheby's or whatever into Decentraland, you kind of have to find that balance of like, yeah. okay, what's going to give them security to know like, Hey, if we go into Decentraland, is our IP at risk? Like, or are people just going to take it and they can do whatever they want with it? hundred percent. So I mean, you know, it's people forget that Sandbox, sorry, Second Life has already existed. And right. one of the, one of the major downfalls of Second Life is the original founding team were very socialist and they really yeah. did not really protect property rights and when there was that original bull market when all of these embassies and governments were opening offices in second life uh, there was a tremendous amount of copy botting going on and second life's response really was mm, oh well yeah mm -hmm. that's that's metaverse for you and uh, their response was okay we're leaving yeah. Because this is our brand identity. And if you cannot protect our brand identity, then we don't really exist in virtual space. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, it's, 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 it's something I, I kind of vent about personally is, you know, we see you and I are both involved in NFT collectible drops. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the things that really, drew, you know, grinds me up the wrong way is when I see these roadmaps where people go, uh, and we're going to have a metaverse drop and it's going to be amazing. Or they have these, you know, especially these new high fidelity sets, right? These 
really high graphic collections and they're like, we're metaverse ready. And I'm like, which metaverse are you ready for? Because Unreal yeah. Engine is the only place we can render this amazing piece of work that you did, but there's no mm -hmm. Unreal metaverse. There is no exactly. platform yet on the blockchain which can absorb assets of that high graphic fidelity. And so you're lying. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, right. Hate, Hate Beast is a good example of not doing that. Hate Beast said, we're going to go back to the traditional clothing market and create a clothing brand and turn our hapes into models. Mm -hmm. But yeah. when you look at things like uh, CO1, I believe it's called, and they're talking about yeah. having a metaverse fashion brand, it's like, I, 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 you, you need to get on an AMA and tell us, or just, just say that it's maybe four years out or two years out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas crypto champions and subducks and Kongs are like, look, we've got a ton of other stuff going for us. In addition, we're doing mm -hmm. this voxel set so that the moment they are onboarding collections, we are good to go and we'll be one of the first to apply. Exactly. I love that yep. message. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And like if, you know, instead of like kind of doing this catch all, like we're metaverse ready and stuff, just you're sandbox ready or you're VR ready or you're, you know, live stream ready or you're uh, Snapchat compatible, you know, like you can, uh, your Snapchat filter or whatever, uh, AR ready. Um, these are all things like that, that you can come out, but like metaverse ready, it's like you're, I think it's already created like on some projects, like people realize pretty quick, like, yeah, metaverse ready, but you're not even close because everybody They're will just ready. come out and will just ask ready. like, so, yeah. so where's my sandbox avatar? Like people ask this all the time. Anybody new to me bits or any 3D avatar project out there that says they're metaverse ready, people will come in and be like, okay, so how do I get this into Somnium space? And how do I get this into sandbox? Well, yeah, it's not, it's not even ready. It's not even like, I don't even know like when it will be ready. And, you know, you can take the 3D model and maybe do something with it to stick it into a metaverse yourself. Yeah. But there's no like wallet connect run around. Okay. There's like this uh, on a lot of projects doesn't exist. Like you can't, how many collections are there out there? And, um, and then we have to be that, that you can just connect your wallet. Exactly. And immediately have a sandbox ready thing. Like nobody, I don't think anybody has that. Right. They, they might have it on their roadmap. Their fault, right. It's not for lack of trying. It's not no. even for no, lack no, no. of money. Not. We're just not there yet. Not at all. Not and at all. Okay. It's just like ha having a 3D model that's rigged does not make it metaverse ready. Having a, th a Vox model available that, that might be converted to be able to use in sandbox is not metaverse ready. Um, and for me, it's like the, the, the biggest piece of the puzzle is like, when is Sandbox going to communicate with Decentraland to figure out how those, how you can seamlessly go between, you know, connect wallet and Sandbox and then just like this, you know, just like want to go into Decentraland yeah. seamlessly. This is metaverse. This is like, down the line this is what yeah, we're I, trying I think, to build I think we have to you know i often say this i think we have to separate here 
that when we, when we say the metaverse, we're referring to something like Ready Player One, where just like you can jump from one website to another website, it's a seamless set of movement. Yeah. Whereas that, where we're at right now is we're in the world garden stage, where each platform that calls itself a metaverse is a self-contained yeah. unit. And so we've got to start somewhere. And, and, and all, as I say, all I'm pushing back against is communication, right? Yeah. Groups who are saying we are committed to making sure that as these platforms develop further, we will integrate our assets, beautiful message. But yeah. when they try to kind of hype that up and it sounds like it's a month away, I, I really feel like people are not understanding that you know, it's not fud to ask legitimate mm -hmm. questions because if, if, you know, let's put it like this. If the entire project is built entirely on that promise, you're going to have mm -hmm. a lot of very upset people in a space that two weeks is like two years. Now you're telling them, well, this may be a year and a half away. I mean, they're going to, they're going to slip their wrists. <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. And not the, fair. Yeah. And the, this is like something I've, I've been working on, like with the Mibits DAO and we're still, like I'm still pushing, you know, like I'm, a, you know, I'm an NFT advisor, but my goal like is always just like focus on metaverse and focus on bridges because that is where, um, that's the key right there. Like, so, and, and, you like, know, the, and, the way and I like to look at it is, is like, it like with, this, it's, it's not sexy either, right? This is the grind work. This is the no. day in and day out. This is the waiting game that requires consistency. And the moment people realize how much work is involved in time and communication and all the back end stuff, uh, it, you, the, the discords go dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like the way I look at it now is like right now, um, metaverse, the way I would think about it, like visually speaking, it's like a strip mall. Okay. You have like all these shops in a line, right. you know, but you can't, you have to go outside walk out the door and walk into the other door. There's like the walls, there's and, no door in between. To, and between walking out of those things, you have to change your clothing, right? You have to change. Yeah. Before you go in, you have to like dress up to go into this one. And then for the other one, it's all loose. You can wear whatever you want. There's right. like, so, so there's like dress code, not dress code. And then, oh, you're not like, you don't have this membership card and you don't have that alliance and you don't have this partnership and like each one it has like their different door right so you just have to like you know you're like fumbling changing in your car or whatever you go back into the strip mall where whereas like you know i hate to use walmart as an example but the metaverse like in the future would be more like a walmart where all the brands all of it is in the same building Right. And you can just seamlessly go from the electronics section yeah, take to the identity. other. There's no... Just like yeah. you're logging in online as your Google account, you exactly. can move around as that identity because you own that IP and yeah. it seamlessly can move between the integrations. I mean, I think we're, we, we're far away, but we're not that far away, right? You know, no, one of I, the I, amazing I, things of Unreal Engine, right, that people mm -hmm. who are not necessarily from the technical world don't know is that the Unreal yeah. Engine just saved artists hundred hours per project, because now you can upload the highest poly count model and it optimizes for you. And right. we almost hope that that will come where if you've got a Decentraland product ready, it kind of goes through a loading, two minute loading time where it makes mm -hmm. it sandbox ready. You know, right. these will be these bridges that you talk about.
Yeah. So like if, if we if we think about like even Unreal, you have to, you know, to use it, you have to like download the software and stuff. And yeah. So like if we if we look into the future, like what how I would see like where you would really break all of the barriers is like Unreal on a web like web-based Unreal where you're just already linked to all the computers and all the computing power and you can just seamlessly do stuff multiplayer completely open world um you know and it all the calculations are happening like not you don't have to buy all these uh, fight right. with miners to buy graphics cards and stuff right or or have a mac or have a pc to do or like you know my right. my well, phone it's going to be the benefits of the cloud right so exactly of, right uh, so we front you know moving back end exactly so you know when when we kind of get into that territory where like you know decentraland or sandbox or whatever can be like hosted kind of like in one place or have like seamless you know we're we're in the same platform or whatever um i think we'll that's where we start getting into like this you know i can switch from being a voxel model to being like super realistic or to something else like that that uh, full and, um, ready player one and, yeah. and there's there's another factor involved here too right another big area that's that's building up beautifully in the nft collectible space are social games and mini games right yeah mm -hmm. um you've got on the two extreme you've got wolf games which is in the classic um crypto punk style and then you yeah. have the high rendered hooligans right my pet hooligan mm -hmm. and both of those are again making their own platforms what we could call mini metaverses for their specific games right but those games could one day have doorways into the mm -hmm. sandbox into decentraland and again you should be able to move with your hooligan from its very high fidelity version for the specific carrot game into a voxel form in the sandbox and vice versa the little yeah. wolf game avatar should hopefully be able to be scaled up if you go into a higher fidelity place like a voxel avatar so right um yeah there's a, it's a lot of work it's a lot of work but I, I as i say for me the grind is that people are not communicating honestly where mm -hmm. we're up yeah. to and people who are getting into the nft space are just following these hype trains and they're like yeah. oh my god the art and they're gonna build a global brand in the metaverse mm -hmm. and i'm like which one where what's yeah, the where? actionable mm -hmm. step right now yeah you know yeah and so and yeah. yeah yeah like a lot of the a lot of the projects that i that i'm seeing and now now i'm kind of like okay just don't get sucked into the the fomo hype or whatever of course there's a lot of money to be made in this um but you know, I'm, I'm looking out for, for more projects that already have the product ready, like, and then you launch it. It's like, it's like Nike. <laughs> like, imagine if Nike just yeah, came out hold like, on, hold on, hold yeah. on. To be, to be fair, Karen yeah, Maria, I mean, to be, to be fair, right? Let's be fair. Yeah. Okay. Let's we, be fair. Let's be fair. Building first. a proper platform like Second yes. Eye for a game takes three years and a crap ton of money, right? Yeah. And yes, so the true. fact that these projects are being able to fund from the bottom up and do a modular thing, I think is a truly beautiful thing. I mean, it's taking crowdfunding yeah. to the next stage. As I say, yeah. my grind is a communication and they're all yeah. kind of being a bit dishonest because mm -hmm. they know that they have to speak in a hype that's like a two months hype, even though they really mean two years. And 
Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, 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 I posted today on Twitter about this, the free market's amoral, right? The free mm-hmm. market yeah. gives you of what course. you want. And when yeah. they see, when they go to their marketing department and the marketing department are like, look, saying two years is not sexy, man. This is yeah. what mm-hmm. you have to do. And yeah. it's our fault. All of these, yeah. you know, everything right now in NFTs is focused on flipping and trading. Yeah. And so no big surprise that everything's working on hype trains. But I yeah. would say the silver lining is this. At the end of the day, these projects are getting funded, which yes. means that the people who are sticking around afterwards, as long as it's a genuine yeah, team, right. mm-hmm. we just, it's just a matter of time, right? I have no yeah. doubt that the sandbox is coming. It's just a matter of, of yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and your favorite, right? The, the one that you mentioned, NFT worlds, is it? That is... Um, yeah. Um, uh, blockchain, I'm um, sorry, that is Minecraft ready. The beauty of that one is that it took the entire system of Minecraft ready to go and just mm-hmm. plugged it on the blockchain, which yeah, as you so say is ready to go. Exactly. And and this is, this is um, it's nice to see projects like, like that, that, you know, the, the mentality was like, why try to reinvent the wheel? Like reinventing the wheel is great. And I respect like sandbox and I have, you know, I have sandbox land and I have NFT worlds and I think they both have their place. Um, but like the transparency and like you said, communicating how far out it is and what the hurdles are just kind of adds more credibility to it that they're already thinking about these things and they're communicating it so that people can like the developers and the content people that are that are that believe in where they're going, you know, you can you almost have like more force when people understand where things are going. Um, NFT worlds they came out and they were like, we're gonna plug into a system that has already been tested. We already have builders. There's like 600 million uh, Minecraft users in the world. 300 million like active users. It's just crazy. So like the the speed at which you can build stuff is, is, it's amazing. And you already have, you know, people have already been like my daughter uses NFT world. She can run in there and, um, you know, do her thing in Minecraft on her own parcel of land. It's like, that's why I bought it too. Cause I was like, okay, this is like, you yeah, know, so why not? It becomes her stepping stone. And exactly. And I, I think it's also important to say it's not a zero sum game, right? In other no, words, exactly. Yeah. we all know that blockbuster games, many games succeed, right? There's 10 or 20 at a time that are global blockbusters. And right yeah. now, because these metaverses are each individual places, like, as you said, coffee shops, mm-hmm. uh, you don't only go to one coffee shop with your friends. Maybe yeah. for a club event, you meet in Decentraland exactly. for an mm-hmm. art exhibition. Maybe yeah. for your NFT collectible community, you want to be in NFT world because you've got this enormous estate. And mm-hmm. maybe you yeah. want a small estate in the sandbox just because it's reached a certain level of prestige because of Board Ape Yacht Club and Akoya. Yeah. So depending on your budget, your goals, uh, one can be involved in multiple of these projects. Of course, yeah. So, um, yeah, like uh, my my focus has has been, you know, when you know on metaverse and just trying to figure out like with some other um, really talented people in like Mebits DAO and, and other communities that I'm a part of, just to try to, you know, solving the problem of like, you know, what file format is is kind of universal like what or you which ones are universal which ones can we get the most out of and 
which one is more useful for like multiple platforms because we have you know um we have people creating spaces like burrows the fluff world is creating these burrows and there's um, other projects creating um spaces that people can rent or meet up in uh with different avatars and stuff um i think that that's kind of like the um you know just kind of like solving the, those those questions of like what is metaverse ready what it you know how many yeah. files does that involve and can we come up with some sort of standard collectively to be like okay if we have this this and this or these things in a 3d project we can figure out how to convert them or figure out an api of how to connect wallets and and and, yeah, and 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 which one of them is going to reach critical mass right like mass adoption and which of the one of them the derivatives are as similar as can be right so for example miranda's vox yeah quite similar to voxel it's work exactly. to change them but it's not a major change yeah whereas to take a voxel and render it into a high fidelity uh, piece of artwork that's a completely different set of skills another yeah. whole team um, and yeah. so, yeah, these, these, are, these are difficult challenges. I wanted to yeah. touch on something else with you uh, that we're talking about games. Um, you and I both invested in Creeps, which is more of a social game, right? Where yeah. mm -hmm. yeah. they've been able to create a lot of game mechanics without requiring the land and the physical presence. Exactly, yeah. What, what are your thoughts I've, on that? I love it. I mean... Anything for me, like just to give kind of like a, a, a kind of like to frame it, I, I think, you know, when, when we think about the, the internet back in the day, it was like, I, you know, porn, porn built the internet, like with it, it just like, it was, it Isn't kind of, porn. Porn, I said the bad porn. word. Yeah. So it, porn, it just kind porn, of like porn. accelerated how fast you know yeah. the internet developed in the early days my it's just yeah but you've weird. got all these subscription models suddenly but the first time yeah. a friend of mine like to the to the new internet not the old bbs like on a modem but like the new internet um you know it was a friend of mine in college he was like hey you have to come check this out and he just showed me like he he's like just you can type anything you want in this in this web and then it'll search it for you and yeah. he type in like look he typed in goat udders and it was just like this pile of like images of goat udders. I was like, what are you doing? Like, what yeah. is this? He's like, you could look at anything. And it was just like this, it was so ridiculous, but it's just like um, that, you know, like this idea of like having access to all of this stuff. And like, yeah, I, I think you know, we used to call it back then the internet of things, right? Yeah. The internet, internet of, of things. Yeah. yeah. And um, anyways, uh, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> Now that I talked about goat udders, I totally lost my train of thought. But um, yeah, I was I was saying that there's that there are other kinds of games that are being honest with the current yes issues yeah. and create yeah. and saying that we don't have to we can have like I think of it like this: poker and chess have hardly evolved in centuries, and the reason they've hardly evolved is because you focused on the strategy. There's so much strategy involved. Yep that you don't need all the bells and whistles from a graphical sense. And yeah. what I'm really enjoying seeing is things like creeps, which are doing that. There are so many moving parts from a strategic yep. point of view that yep. you can have a highly complicated gaming element, social game without yep. needing the land. It's like, well, we can do this now 
right? Yeah. They, they also have the component. They also say, we want to be metaverse ready. We will want to give you creeps in mm -hmm. the sandbox, et cetera. But yeah. right now you don't have to be bored. We've got this entire social ecosystem and game and people yeah. are loving it. I mean, the community is yeah. super engaged. <laughs> I originally skipped on that project. We spoke about it after it revealed and you know it was going sideways at that time. And I'm like, I don't know if people are gonna get this, man. I like, I'm seeing these dumbed down, hyped down, loopy projects. I don't know mm -hmm. if people are going to get this. And then I come back two weeks later and it's like, holy hell, I was listening to their AMAs and Dom is going through all the technicalities of the economy and the ecosystem. And I'm like, and, yeah. and then the question started and people were asking sophisticated questions. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a beautiful thing for me to see because I, I don't actually think people are dumb in the NFT space, yeah. but I think mm -hmm. that we've attracted yeah. in the last six months, a lot of altcoin people who basically just follow the volume and the hype. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what they're looking for. And so they just want to start ticking off their boxes if there's going to, is this going to mint out and moon? Can I quickly flip it and then move on to the next thing? And yeah. to see these communities that are building more complicated ecosystems uh, and having sitting power and a community building around them that respects it, uh, really, it really excites me. Yeah, yeah, and uh, now I, I kind of remember where I was getting at with my goat udder story. Is um, for for me where I see like NFTs and you know people were kind of afraid like oh this is this is going to be a bubble NFTs are going to be a bubble and it's going to crash. And what I've what I've been seeing is like if there is a crash, gaming like the gaming part of NFTs. The, the tokenomics and uh, projects like Creeps and um, Gala Games who are doing more like taking ownership of your gaming assets um, and Sandbox giving developers their own land to build their own games in and their own experiences. These three, like kind of a, you know, triangle of what I would see as gaming, that is going to be the, the part of NFTs. It's going to be like the porn of internet back in the day. It's going to be gaming and NFTs, that, that's going to be the thing to, to prop up the entire space. I don't think it will crash. And even if NFTs crashed, like the artwork or whatever lost value, it will be the gaming part of it that will prop up the entire space. I just think there's what's interesting with something like Creeps is they're taking what people are already doing, which is you know, like you can flip, you can like buy and flip NFTs and right. make a bunch of money if you know what you're doing, right? And it, there, 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 nothing makes sense. Like you can look at an, uh, just from the artistic value of like looking at an NFT, you can look at an NFT that has like high artistic value, the artist is well known, blah, blah, blah. And it will just not go anywhere. And you see something else like a scribble on a piece of paper that's, you know, right, that makes no, a makes, makes no sense right? Yeah. But it will just skyrocket. And if you look behind, like what's happening now is people are kind of understanding that NFTs linked with tokenomics, like take the NFT that you already own, that you believe in and stake it. So it's just like, take it, stick it in a bank. And like all of a sudden that NFT sitting in the bank is gaining you interest and you're playing with the interest. Like, right. You're, yeah, and you're, then, and then you're now, you're now like you accumulate back in the ecosystem. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're accumulating interest and now it's fun because you're, 
you already have like you already bought the NFT if you believe in the project. If you bought it not for flipping, right. you just you stake it. Like it's like collecting Pokemon cards back in the day. You you accumulate them and then you put the ones that you want to keep on the side and then you trade the other ones and right. it's fun. Right. And then you and then you trade two for one. So you get more of like the rare ones, whatever your strategy is. You know, the mega shapeshifters and there was a whole trading going on because people needed to complete their megas. Right. And it was like opening a booster pack. You got a random booster and you were like, I'll swap you my Gary for your banks and and your Snoop Dogg and finish those sets. I I, I want to just go to one other topic with you, mate. you are also involved in crypto dick butts. Is that yes. correct? Yes. Okay. What's the story of crypto dick butts? Uh, I believe it was also linked somewhat to the crypto toads community. Cryptodes. Yeah. yeah. What, 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 what went on over there? Okay. So, uh, so basically, you know, like in NFT space, there's like, there's tons of like, there's gaming and then there's art and then there's crypto punks and you have like 3d avatars there's so many different projects to choose from right and the crypto dick butts was it was like back when i was working in entertainment i was sitting next to a buddy of mine another 3d artist and he was just like drawing on a piece of paper like these dick butts right and I was like, you know, what is that? I didn't, I didn't know it was a meme or I didn't know what it was. He was just like drawing them. I thought it was his invention or something. And he would just sit there like scribbling. So you look over, it's got like a piece of paper full of these dick butts. So I was like, um, I would say like maybe at the end of last summer, like September or something, I was just like on the internet, just kind of like looking around. And then this, it's this popped up. Like, I don't know how, like on open sea, I just saw like, crypto dick butts and i was like looking at it going like what the hell like dick butts and then i looked into it as like oh okay dick butts are a meme and then the developer he, he kind of like came it, it this project was born out of like the crypto punks um discord and him and the the uh, gremlin um they created like these two collections that kind of had like a link like a lore together so the cryptodes and the the crypto dick butts were kind of created i guess around the same time and when i saw these characters i like remembered my friend and i just thought it was so funny i like shot a link over to him and and i just like fell in love with the di- i just fell in love with the art i was just like there was nothing else it was just like pure love for the art and i was like i have to I have to buy it. Yeah, I mean, even for this space, it's very raw. I mean, even yeah. toads, I mean, they, they are very raw um, and yeah. in your face and unapologetic and saying, look, we did gens. We may have made a ton of money together, but yeah. ultimately we're still a bunch of geeks who want to kick back with a couple of drinks and, and make yeah. fart jokes and be a little bit crude and rude. And uh, I love that about that community. You know, I see yeah. both of those and, um, you know, the, the crypto people are like, why is it so valuable? What's going on? It, it, those really are OG communities of people mm-hmm. that came together and said, we need something that represents us. Yeah. So um, I just, you know, for me, one of my big things about NFTs, like, especially, you know, I started with like one MeBit. That was like a, my, my thing. I'm not going to put any more money into cryptocurrency. I'm not going to buy and sell coins forget that i'm just doing this for 
the like um but how did you make money for the because art. you've done you you've so done, i i, well. I did it like i'm only buying nfts where i can contribute to the community with being creative so okay as a 3d advisor converting dick butts into 3d and that's what i did like i reached out um to the mebits community did animations for them and started you know like me but me hired me to do a bit of work and i got a little bit of money and then i bought another nft of another project like void you know like uh, i'm a dgen which is another 3d project which you know then i then i took those communities and i did it like a music i started doing music videos for me bits introducing other projects into it so i took the the void 3d and made them dance together and then there was like this story of you know how these two communities come together so that that that's how i like built up you know like bring money in through work i do using my nfts and then providing value so when i reached out to the developer of crypto dick butts i was just like dude you cannot believe how happy this project makes me like I spent three days glued to my OpenSea looking at every single crypto dick butts to decide I only had like a little bit of ETH. So I was like, I can only buy three. Actually, I can only buy two, but then I figured out a way to buy three at the end. <laughs> um, so I, I was like, yeah, but this one has a, has a mushroom dick and this one has like this character and this th these glasses I like. So I was looking for like which ones, which price I could buy three days solid i couldn't and then at the end i was like i'm reaching out to the developer and i just said like dude i love this stuff if there's anything that you want like anything you need creative 3d i can figure out a way to get these things into the the, the metaverse or whatever i was just like i'll do anything and we just started like he came back super cool guy um and we just started working together so i i like he gave me some 3d models he get he he, uh, you know, kind of I just became an advisor for him. And um, I've literally been working with him in exchange for dick butts for like the last, how many months now? Like five, six months or something, five months. Amazing. Just, and so that's what I'm doing. I'm just you know, like- I'm, I'm smiling here when you're talking because it's funny when I was showing my mother different NFT collections and she really mm -hmm. liked Bored Apes and she loved Doodles and she skipped on a few. And then I showed her CryptoPunks. And she goes, oh, these are so classic. You know, and, and yeah. you know, a lot of people's response is like, they all look the same. And my mother was like, no, look at that hoodie and those glasses and the subtle things. And Crypto Dick Punks is quite basic from a rendering yeah. style. And yet uh, there's 10,000 of them and they're all very different. Yeah. yeah. 5,200. Oh, 5,200. Okay. But they yeah. have how many? They've got derivative collections now as well, right? They, yeah, because... because um, drops. Yeah, so people are doing derivatives based on them. It's like cryptodes oh, okay. is CCO. So it's basically public domain. If anybody wants to make a derivative toads, right. they can take the assets and do whatever they want with them, basically, which kind of opens up this new opportunity because you have like the OG, like cryptodes or the crypto dick butts, but yeah. then being able to like make derivatives based on it, that is community yeah, driven so I mean, you're basically love, adding value yeah it's I, I adding value like in a different way just not direct yeah. copies don't flip the punks yeah. don't just yeah. render the doodles in high fidelity uh, exactly. i'll give you a good example of a collection that i fell in love with was apocalyptic apocalyptic apes right? yeah okay i mean they were like oh my god there's so many ape derivatives and yet they really hired a fantastic 
designer Hedy the creator mm-hmm. and did something very very fresh I mean he put yeah. you know a ton of beautiful artwork into that uh, and yeah. so there is room for it there are there is room for it um, and then, of course, you have the, often the collections themselves do collaborations, right? Gremlin just did a collaboration with another toad group, and they create these mm-hmm. beautiful new toads. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's fun as well. I mean, I, I, I don't remember being as excited, you know, as a collector when I saw uh, Ozzy's idea with CryptoBats, where he had gone to all of these OGs and had them make a unique one of one legendary bat. I saw the one from Alien Friends and Gremlin and Kongs, and I was like, wow. Well, yeah. I mean, we're like, mm-hmm. why didn't we think of that, right? Forget yeah, yeah, yeah. mutations of your own stuff, mutate and go and bite another collection. And it's a way to like cross pollinate, show love, collaborate, build a, a new form of friendship. I, there's so much still to do. You know, anyone who's coming in thinking we're like at the end of the mm-hmm. road does not understand that there's like only 5% of the world know what NFTs are. And as yeah, creative exactly. minds start to loop and, and spend time in these things, you're going to see amazing creativity. And it, it's it's coming yeah. out in spades. It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, like, and we're still talking about metaverse here. Like we are, the, the fact that these projects are cross-pollinating, we're all in, the, we're in the same space. We're still exactly. in this, like, it's going to happen like we talk about 3D avatars, like, yes, you're running around in a 3D world, but you know what? At a point that that 2D and 3D is going to merge as well. Like, and we're talking pixel art as well. Like right now I see one of the, one of the coolest meeting places in the metaverse is web three, which is pixel art. Yeah. So like you're taking um, crypto dick butts, which is pixel art. You're taking cryptos, pixel art, and you're taking these like larva chads, pixel art, all inspired by crypto punks and these OG collections. But now you're meeting in a in a in this you know 90s video game pixel art style, and you're just hopping like your NFT is just hopping, and it's like it, it's so like familiar and it's so like comforting for. Um, you know, people that grew up with these video games and like Atari and, you know, uh, going into like the first, uh, you know, Sony PlayStations and Dreamcast and all of these, you know, it brings back all of these memories yeah, of like I mean, that, I that mean, pixel I, art world. How much was it that a, Mac, a, a Mario Brothers edition one, right, recently yeah. sold for an astronomical sum, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and all these people who collect these these these. Uh, toys. I mean, toy collectors are all wealthy, middle-aged guys and girls because mm-hmm. yeah. it, it carries an amazing charge for us to to go back into these spaces and say, "Hey, you know, this is the world, the metaverse that works right now, and it's uh-huh. also super fun and nostalgic." And all my friends are here. Yeah. So, like the the with the crypto <laughs> with the crypto dick butts. So one of the first like big projects I worked on is I I just took the dick butt and i did some pixel art animation and got it into a game engine and just created a game like collect 69 dicks in the quickest amount of time and that you know like it's it's just like a 2d platformer you're like in mario mario land or something and you're just like hopping around and collecting dicks uh, you know like and uh like that it just the project itself and like seeing that it just puts a smile on people's faces and it, and it's um i think that's kind of like the the power of like that community and certain communities that you know the art is why you're you're 
kind of like you're in it for the art first and then you're you know and then the community is just blossoms and it becomes like this beautiful place where you know outside there could be a hurricane and in crypto land like everything is like red you know and me myself and a lot of people in that dick butt community we go in there just to laugh and not think about it we're there like everything else could just crash and burn i would still never sell my dick butts they would still be in my wallet you know I've never, I haven't sold one. I don't plan on selling any. I just keep accumulating them. Like just what can I do to get another one? You know, like, <laughs> no, I get it as a collector. I, I really, really do get it. And, um, uh, well, yeah. I see, I see our time is, is coming. Yeah. Tell me, <laughs> Karim, yes. what in the NFT or metaverse space has you most excited right now? This, well, for 2022, it's, it's uh, like I said before, it's the gaming part of it. I think there's that is where the it's just gonna explode. Like yeah. I, I can't imagine it not exploding because like some of the some of these Vox models, like I, I'm a believer in gaming. Like I started my childhood like playing Atari and you know, um, and we see gaming now. Like I live in a city like in Montreal where all the gaming companies and all of the creative energy, like it's a creative hub for gaming. And, you know, they make, there's more money in it. They make more money than like films and whatever. And I think once gamers and esports, and, you know, it's happening now, once they get wind of the fact that you can play games and make a living pay your bills it's just gonna change every i mean it's just yeah. gonna explode like i can't imagine anything other than that like this is just it's so early <laughs> right now we're so early and the and the gamers out there the i don't even know how many game how many gamers are in the world like a billion or two billion it must be like some astronomical it's, number it's over three billion actually three billion Yes. Forget about artists, forget about galleries, forget about Nike sponsors, you know, like linking up with NFTs, gaming, man, it's gonna just, kids will be able to retire, <laughs> you know, like I don't, it's, it's, uh, imagine playing Zelda, I just want to give this like last analogy, it's like, imagine playing Zelda for the first time on a, on like a Nintendo entertainment system, and then having ownership of that Zelda that you collected all of like the swords and stuff. And then Zelda two comes out and you could take that, put it into Zelda two. And then you don't lose your experience going from one gaming system to another. And then you can yeah. take that Zelda two, put it into Zelda three and then Zelda. And then like five, and the new 10 game years comes out and you're tired and someone says, I'll offer you a thousand bucks for your OG Zelda because I don't want to do the grind or I want the collectible. Or I want put him yeah, just imagine imagine taking a like something that you've spent hours, like people spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hours playing games, but to take like your ownership of that and put it into another game. You know what? I don't want my Zelda in the Zelda game. I want my Zelda in Grand Theft Auto. This is what's coming. What's it's coming. it's gonna be craziness. This is the way. This is, this way. is what's gonna bring nfts and everything in the space to the mass media because once they get wind of this and once the companies start linking in and putting energy into this it's going to be like a rocket ship like just 
Yeah. Well, thank you, brother. That's what I'm, I think. I'm That's gonna, my I'm prediction. I'm going to buy you a beer in Mirandus. I owe you a beer in Mirandus. <laughs> We've got taverns yes. over there called the Five Crowns. So I'm going to get Perfect. you a, a beer and, and a mead and uh, whatever, Perfect. a room on the house or something. We'll do that. And uh, yeah. this was a real pleasure, man. Thank you yeah, so much awesome. for joining me. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. We'll do this again. Yeah, for sure. We're we just just the tip of the iceberg so far. Just the tip of the iceberg. An hour and a half and <laughs> tip just the tip of the iceberg. Just tip of the lots iceberg. Lots more man. to explore. Yeah. Pleasure okay. speaking with you, man. Thanks for the invite. Bye.